No matter if points are gained or points are lost, there will be much to discuss. For analysis regarding tonight's Winnipeg Jets game, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve post-game show starts now. What was once a best of seven is now a best of five, and the dream of a 16-0 postseason has died. Good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba. For all those joining us live this morning on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms, we say good morning, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve post-game show. With Dave Manouk, with Ezra Ginsberg, I'm your host, Drew Mandel, here to discuss the Vegas Golden Knights commanding 5-2 victory over the Winnipeg Jets, preventing the Jets from sweeping Vegas on the road to start this best of seven Western Conference playoff series. The Jets started well, faded as the game went on. Vegas started poorly, got better as the game went on. And gentlemen, all in all, it means that on Saturday afternoon, a best of five series is going to start between these two teams there goes Ezzy. he's had enough already goodbye to mr ginsburg and he's back again there you go i don't know what was going on there as you with us or are you frozen i think he's frozen dave what do you say well i wasn't so sure he looked like he was unfrozen but he appears to have refrozen so we've uh we've got as as a as a frozen ginsburg yeah but he, uh he looks like the jets in the second and third periods a little bit immobile Oh, there you go. Exactly right. A little bit, uh, a little bit cement footed, a little bit uh, uh, not able to elevate their game when the Vegas Golden Knights instead absolutely stepped up and showed why they were the top. Uh, they were the top team in the Western Conference this year with really a commanding performance over the last 40 minutes of this game, especially in the third period, blowing open what had been a two-all game and preventing the Jets from uh, dreaming big and, and thinking that maybe they'll come home with a 2 nothing series lead to what will be a raucous environment on Saturday night or Saturday afternoon in downtown Winnipeg. You know, the Jets started, Dave, like mm. they ended – Game one, they were dominant in that first period. And you wondered, you know, and they obviously got uh, the the opening goal in the game and they led one nothing after the 20 minutes. But you couldn't help but wonder, given how complete their performance was in that first period, were they going to rue only getting that one goal? Was that going to come back and was Vegas going to find their game for the first time all playoffs? Because the Jets have been the better of the two teams through the first four periods of this playoff series. Well, we certainly know the answer. Uh, Vegas stepped up, which, by the way, shouldn't come as a surprise to everybody. Oftentimes, Mm -hmm. when two teams are playing against each other and those two teams are relatively equal or Vegas is the better of the two teams, you know, whichever side you fall on there, you know, the more desperate team is usually going to find a way to win. And Vegas certainly was the more desperate of the two teams, particularly in that third period. Yeah. I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, they were not happy with their performance after game one and there's good reason not to like Mm -hmm. what Vegas did because the jets were the better of the two teams and they, for the, almost the entirety of that 60-minute contest. And everyone knew going into this game, it wasn't going to be easy to replicate, Drew. So you're absolutely right. Although, to the Jets' credit, because in the first 10 minutes, when they had outshot Vegas 11-2, to mm-hmm. those two shots both being grade eight opportunities against Connor Hellebuck, one, of course, leaving him bloodied, making you wonder if their goal was to make the Jets bleed their own blood. <laughs> but... The the and the other one, of course, being the 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 unbelievable larceny on that save, which you know Jack Eichel thought was in the net, but he had Connor Hellebuck made a, a spectacular save. Yeah, but I mean they had outshot them. I think in the third period of the obviously of game one and the first ten minutes of that of the uh, first period, so thirty minutes of hockey, and it was like a twenty-four to four uh, shot differential for yeah. Winnipeg versus Vegas. So I mean. You you liked the way the Jets came out, and they came out with the, with the right effort, right? They were they were aggressive to start that game. They were out shooting them for nothing early, and you know the I hated all the power plays. There were so many marginal calls. Like mm-hmm. you know, I thought the game the first game was actually really good in that regard. I didn't think that they were they overstepped, and I just thought it was too much 
like you know the Nito Nita rider one where he the slashing I mean, penalty I, you're talking about I, yeah like that that's not I don't know maybe I'm wrong but I, that to me is not a penalty the uh there was another one I thought that was absolutely marginal yeah. so I, I don't know I don't like that the refs got so involved because it seemed to slow the game down and change the the game from from my liking and I, and I see that not from a Jets perspective or a Jets bias I, I think that both teams uh you know they were did. impacted by the by the referees you know, pulling the whistles out. Don't get me wrong. When Alex Petrangelo jumps in to a scrum, yeah. he deserves to get the third man in penalty. I'm not, I don't have a problem with that, but I'm just saying that I just, I just didn't like all the, uh, oh, the other one, the Vlad Nemesnikov in the first period. Yeah. The like, hold, that, 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 was, me, that was the first penalty well, of the game. That's I, don't, the I actually don't even parade. care. I don't even, I don't even care as long as you call, if you want to call both guys, but I mean, that's there. It's incidental. You can't really, I don't know how a ref, especially from the angle, the ref who called it, made the determination that it was Nemestikov mm-hmm. versus I don't remember who it was that he was trying to escape by. But um, the reality is that that, that to me was, I just didn't like the, the, the penalties. I just didn't love the way they were called. The game was called tonight, but I'm not suggesting that's the reason the game changed. And the reason that the Jets didn't win that game because Vegas was the better of the two teams in periods two and three, but it definitely changed the complexion of the game. I thought. Yeah, I mean, the, some of the calls were marginal. Um, yeah. But again, they were marginal both ways. So I, I, you know, yeah, I know, for it, sure. it was a very tight level of officiating. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, the problem with, with penalties, and you're right, it, it sucks the flow out of the game, uh, is what happens when that, yeah. you know, in a game like that, it, you know, because the game should be played at five on five. And the vast majority of the first period wasn't played. Uh, at five on five, which is always a little bit annoying. Uh, but, you know, again, that has nothing to do with the results of tonight's game. The result of tonight's game was simply because the Vegas Golden Knights were the far better of the two teams from the, you know, from the 10 minute mark of the first period. You remember, it took until the latter half of the first period for Vegas to get their first shot on goal at five on five. The two shots right. that they had to we're start the first period were both power play opportunities. Before, you know, they didn't have a shot at five on five because the Jets absolutely dominated the game uh, to start in that first period, and particularly at, you know, the five on five play when there was five on five play. We welcome Ezzy Ginsburg to the show. Hi, how's Thanks that for welcoming doing? me back, Drew, and not complete, not uh, stopping your sentence there. Well, yeah, I could flow. I just could flow it in there, and, and, and you know, without without skipping a beat. How's that computer of yours coming along? It's great. It's better than yours. <laughs> uh, we were just saying, Ezzy, that you know, from the the Jets obviously had the better of the the start to the game. The start to the game for the Jets was 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 phenomenal. They had Vegas on their heels, and it was a very similar Jets team to what you saw at the end of the you know in a lot of game two, especially in that third period. But as that first period went on, and then uh, certainly throughout the second period and then the third period, Vegas just took control of the game took control of the play and the Jets really didn't have a response. They, I mean, they, they get the Kevin Stenland goal. So that's tied up at two after 40 minutes. And we'll talk about that when we get into the Betway game, game recap. But other than that, Vegas certainly was the better of the two teams uh, for the majority of tonight's game. Absolutely. We talked about it on Saturday morning show. What would the impact of Mark Stone be? Right. And he was mm-hmm. criticized a little bit. I thought unfairly so considering that he hadn't played in roughly three months. Right. And he was excellent tonight. Not just the the couple of goals, but he had the scoring chance in tight. He didn't get all of it. Connor Hellebuck made the saves. Hold on, let me turn my notifications off here. You're going to be hearing a lot of that poker chip uh, sound effect because that's what I get when I get my text. But I yeah, want to know up. who's texting. It's twelve fifteen in the morning. Who's texting you there, Mister Popularity? Well, Naomi's in Arizona, so she's fired up. Uh, uh, few a few other people, you know, but. Yeah, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was absolutely, you know, a game. Look, we knew that Vegas was going to have a response in this game. You're not going to go back down. I mean, you obviously could go back down to nothing heading into Winnipeg, but right. the series is over if that's the case, right? We know that the, the crowd is going to be a huge boost for the Jets. Uh, and and yeah, so back to Mark Stone. I mean, Stone was really good in tonight's game. Mm-hmm. And so was Chandler Stevenson. And we talked about it. I mean, the, the Vegas Golden Knights are a deep team. And you're right. I mean, the Jets were really good in the first period. And, you know, that four-on-three power play, I know that left a lot of Jets fans uh, a lot to be desired there. Um, But the Golden Knights were the dominant team in the second period, and they didn't take the foot off the gas in in the third period. Jack Eichel gets his first career playoff goal long overdue. He wasn't as good as he needed to be in the first period. 
And as you mentioned, you know, right off the top, Drew, the Golden Knights elevated their game tonight. Mm -hmm. And they had to. They, As I said, they didn't want to go down 2 nothing back to Winnipeg. Um, and give Lauren Brassois credit. He was really good tonight. And, you know, there was a, a feeling that, you know, in my, the Golden Knights might go to Jonathan Quick. So Brassois was also really good tonight. But overall, yeah, that was a really good response from the Golden Knights. And they needed it because the Jets were dominant in the first period. They played a near-perfect road game and now we have a series yeah i mean now we have a series you're right i mean dave that's you know, it's almost as simple as in game one the jets best players were better than vegas's best players by far jack eichel we know was lousy in game one mark stone you know first game back in a number of months he wasn't great and then tonight vegas's best players were better than the jets best players i mean it, it it's sometimes it's a pretty straightforward pretty easy game to analyze you know that the vegas you know the, the guys who are the leaders on vegas the guys who are the driving forces on vegas uh wouldn't let the team go down and they stepped up their game when the jets best players uh, couldn't match that level that vegas was reaching Oh, no. I mean, there's no question about it. And and as he said it, Mark Stone was the guy we were wondering what kind of impact he would have. And, you know, as is right, it was it was unfair. Some of the criticism that was being directed his way after that first game, because it wasn't entirely on him that they didn't win. And, you know, obviously uh, he, he must have having his parents in the crowd. He was getting pumped up. Oh, were getting... they in the crowd? I had no idea. <laughs> Yes, just once or twice, I think they showed uh, them them in the crowd. But uh, the um, we'll see who they they'll see which we'll see which Jets parents are in the crowd in Winnipeg. Uh, highlighted seventeen thousand times during the broadcast. But no, look, I mean, Mark Stone stepped up. Mark Stone, guys, Mark Stone is a phenomenal hockey player, and we said this when we were you know, previewing the series, what kind of impact and how much of a difference maker he could be for the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, if he's back to somewhat of the mark stone you you know you've come to expect as one of the you know best two-way wingers kind of like mm -hmm. a center but but really a winger uh in the game today so and he had an impact throughout the course of this hockey game especially like you said drew in that second and third period so uh, the jets weren't able to match the intensity you know pierre-luc dubois and mark shifley just didn't bring that same level of push as we saw and, and you know defensively they weren't great so uh, the second line wasn't anything to write home about. I actually thought the two best lines were your third and fourth lines for the Winnipeg Jets uh, throughout mm -hmm. the course of this hockey game, and and the first and second weren't. So that's uh, it's incumbent on them. They're the big drivers, and you know anytime you can get production from the bottom, obviously that's a good thing. But your your big dogs got to be your big dogs in the playoffs. And so for the Jets, you know we, that's the Shifley Wheeler and and um, Shifley Connor and Dubois line. And look, Kyle Connor, as he said it, and he wasn't wrong. In the first period, Kyle Connor had almost as many shots as the Vegas Golden Knights at one point. Yeah. And he finished, he ended up tying uh, Patrick Line, Blake Wheeler, the uh, most shots ever by the second period. But shots are great, as he can do a bunch of fireball shots next coming up. But the, <laughs> the truth of the matter is that you need to score some goals. And, and It's actually you know, at your house, Dave. I don't have the fireball. Yeah. So I was going to say, I'm going to have to run it to your house, as yeah. right now. As. I'll do a shot of Diet Coke. There you go. That, that'll be just as effective. You know, what's going to be interesting to me now, look, this is the first time since the Jets, you know, you moved Shifley to the wing. And since the since that homestand, this is the first time since that start of the five, that homestand that the Jets have really been dominated in a game. You know, you, the, take away the Colorado game. That doesn't count. So now I'm curious, really curious to see what their response is going to be to that. Because they've been playing such good hockey as of late. Even the game they lost to Calgary, they certainly weren't dominated like they were tonight by Vegas. So that, to me, is going to be uh, sort of the one of the most interesting takeaways and obviously something that's going to be a storyline between now and Saturday afternoon's Game 3 is how do the Jets respond to being uh, really uh, at, at the wrong end of a one-sided performance because it's the first time that they've been like that since the line juggling that took place uh, a couple of weeks ago, Ezzy. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. And we already are, are talking about it, but I mean, we want to focus on this game. But I mean, you are going to get a huge boost as soon as those guys hit the ice for warmups. We know how loud that building's going to get, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this game was, you know, something that Vegas needed, as I said. I mean, they're, they're, it, the series is, for all intents and purposes, over. I mean, you can come back down to nothing, but that's the type of response that they needed. 
Um, and Dave talked about, you know, I talked about it, Dave talked about it, Mark Stone. And I, I thought that, you know, when, when Carlson and Eichel scored those goals, yes, Kevin Stenlin tied the game up on the, yeah. the Saku Manaline and backhand pass and, and backhand shot. Um, but Vegas was all over them with what, 20 shots in, in the second period. And really they didn't recover from that. And, you know, I, I thought they were generating, Vegas was generating all the speed. It was kind of, you flipped the, the script there you know, from the first period and the Jets, you know, didn't really have any sustained zone time. They didn't have a lot of second chances, right? Like it was a lot of shots from the outside. Um, and Shifley, Connor and Dubois, Dave's right. I mean, they were fantastic in the first game and they were fantastic in the first period. And then you just didn't see a lot of it, right? And then the, the game settled down. There were less power plays as the game went on mm-hmm. and it settled into even strength. Um, and it was really, you know, Chandler Stevenson, Mark Stone and... Uh, was it Brett Howden was the other player on that line? I mean, I don't know if that's the third line or the second line. I mean, I would call that the first line, right? Because Chandler <laughs> Stevenson, we talked about it on Saturday show, right? Before they acquired Jack Eichel, Chandler Stevenson, he was their number one center, right? So whatever line that is, if you're calling that the third line or the second line, I'm not sure. I mean, that was a dominant line. And, you know, the Jets at times were, you know, a little bit flat-footed in their own zone. Um, and, you know, Vegas took advantage. And, and this was a commanding win. But you're right. I mean... You have to come back. You you basically you know have to erase this from your memory. I mean, you have you have to learn you know from some of your mistakes, but you have to erase this. And and it's a brand new series, as you said. So, um, you know, Connor Hellebuck. I mean, I, I think you know the the second Mark Stone goal. I think that was a weak one on Hellebuck. But aside from that, I don't think you're going to fault him on any of the other goals. No, I don't think Connor Hellebuck was the problem in this game at all. I think the Jets just didn't execute well. Uh, William Carlson also beat, uh, I think it was Dylan DeMello, and then uh, who else was behind the net? I think Nate Schmidt was behind the net. Uh, Kessel was the one that fed it to William Carlson behind the net, and then nobody picks up Mark Stone, right? So, I mean, that that was just lazy defending by the Jets. But aside from that, the Golden Knights scored some nice goals. Like, they worked for their goals. Like, the the Golden Knights brought it it in the second period, you know, to use a – uh, you know, a kind of a weak, you know, phrase, but like that was the case. They brought it in the second period. They peppered Connor Hellebuck mm-hmm. um, and they got rewarded with five goals tonight. They certainly did. And that shows, you know, the Vegas needs to give, that's the level that Vegas needs to play at to be successful. That's the Jets need to match that level. So each team now knows what their opposition can play like and, you know, how they want to play. And now the chess match continues for their next, you know, as the best of five series gets underway on Saturday as to who can keep their game to that level on a more consistent basis. And that whichever team can is probably going to be the team that wins this series moving forward. Uh, let's get into it. It's the Betway game recap on this Friday morning, a uh, little 25 minutes after 12 o'clock. We say good morning. Welcome to the Illegal Curve post-game show talking about the Winnipeg Jets and the Vegas Golden Knights, the Golden Knights five, the Jets two series tied at one goal, one game apiece. Game three going Saturday afternoon in downtown Winnipeg. I'm your host, Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsburg with you. If you haven't already done so, please smash the like button on our YouTube channel, subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast. We do this after each and every Winnipeg Jets game, and we'll do it again Saturday morning, 9 a.m. We will get you ready for Saturday afternoon's tilt between the Jets and the Golden Knights. Uh, the Betway game recap is, of course, brought to you by our friends at Betway, one of the most trusted voices in sports betting, both in Canada and all around the world. Betway is the sports betting app that puts you, the customer, at the forefront with a large selection of betting options and sports, as well as strong promotions and fair odds. What are you waiting for? Head on over to Betway and bet your way. Must be 19 years or older to play. Please play responsibly. As we mentioned, the Jets started like an absolute house on fire and a good house on fire, not one of those bad houses on fire, a good house on fire. Maybe it's a gingerbread house that's just getting cooked. And as a result, you're going to be able to eat some nice, soft, gooey gingerbread as a result to the gold, Drew. Adam Lowry getting his third of the playoffs already. I don't think anyone expected that his uh, third, as I mentioned, at the 918 mark of the first period assist Neil Pionk and Nate Schmidt. It's a power play goal uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. It starts with Lowry in the face-off circle. He scrambles the draw. 
Nate Schmidt comes in to pick up the puck. He feeds it back to Neil Pionk, and Lowry goes where Adam Lowry usually goes, which is the front of the net, and he's able to get the deflection on the Pionk shot past Lauren Brossois to give the Jets the one nothing lead as he at the 918 mark of the first period, as I said. Yeah, before we get into the goal, the first power play unit was on for, what, a minute and a half, something like mm-hmm. that, and they had a lot of good pressure. Yeah. Uh, and then the second power play unit steps over the boards, and as you mentioned, right off of a face-off, we see, see this later in the game with the Vegas goal, but it's right off the face-off, uh, and Nate Schmidt's in great position, digs the puck up, gets it back to Neil Pionk, and they have layers there, right? It's Nino Niederreiter parked right in front of Lauren Brassois, and it's Adam Lowry in front of Nino Niederreiter in the high slot, and it's a beautiful tip. And, you know, that's kind of, you know, it. That's just a really nicely executed goal. And, you know, Adam Lowry remains red hot. Yeah, he remains red hot, uh, you know, doing exactly, you know, nothing fancy. You get shots through from the point. You get a stick on a puck and, and good things are going to happen generally, Dave. Uh, we'd be remiss if we just skipped ahead and didn't talk about Connor Hellebuck's uh, incredible save on the Vegas power play that was early in the game with Nemesnikov in the box. Uh, you know, Vegas did exactly what they want to do on their power play, set up Jack Eichel, who absolutely unleashed a bullet of a shot that Connor Hellebuck, uh, I mean, they'll talk about the first one first. Hellebuck goes crease to crease, post to post, and just with a spectacular glove save snags it out of uh, uh snags it with his his with his uh, glove hand somehow manages to keep the puck and his glove in front of the goal line it's one of the best saves we've seen him make this year and he's made a ton of big saves for the Winnipeg Jets yeah and there's no question he 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 was excellent in that first period and he was uh you know he had to be good again in the second but uh I, I think that we talked about it. We said if the Jets are going to have a chance in this game, they needed Connor Hellebuck to ensure that they stayed ahead of Vegas because you knew that Vegas was looking for a little a little lifeblood, something to get them going, something to get them excited. When I said they're looking for a little lifeblood, though, I didn't think that Jack Eichel was going to take me literally <laughs> and try and you know take off Connor Hellebuck's uh, head with that 95-mile-per-hour slap shot that he unleashed uh, from about 20 feet away. But yeah, Connor Hellebuck was excellent on those. And again, Drew, those, as you said, those are the first two shots of the game for uh, the Vegas Golden Knights on that somewhat questionable penalty call against Vladimir Mesnikov. But I mean, it's, it was, he was exceptional and he made, mm-hmm. you know, that, that again, the Jets, you know, the Jets built off of that, right? The Jets were able to say, okay, look, you know, this, this game is ours for, you know, we're, he's going to be what we expect him to be, which is Connor Hellebuck. And that allows the Jets to play a little bit more, you know, not that they're loose, but they were freer, I would say, because they know how good he can be throughout the course of that game. So sure enough, they get that goal to be up one nothing, and they know that Connor Hellebuck is playing the way he is behind him. You know, I think you have to be completely insane to be a goaltender, uh, as because Jack Eichel, as Dave referenced, unleashes that absolute bullet that hits Hellebuck in the helmet and you usually wear a helmet to protect your head. And this certainly protected his head, but at the same time, it still managed to cut him. That's just how hard that shot was. And the force of that shot and the impact that it had on the helmet, uh, cutting Connor Hellebuck over the eyebrow, just to stand in there and take that shot and just not be phased by it is just an absolutely, I mean, it it just goes to show you what goaltending is all about at, at, you know, at the NHL level. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it was two really, I mean, I don't know if you call that a save. I mean, it's a save, but it hits him. But the the one-timer, the Chandler Stevenson shot that we were talking about earlier, that was mm-hmm. just an unbelievable save. And even though he was really good in the first period and, you know, he was pretty solid overall, I mean, Vegas is a high-powered offensive team, right? And we talked about it. I mean, the first, the first game, I don't think many people were expecting the Jets to shut them down like they did. Um, and after the first period, the Golden Knights knew they had to elevate and get more rubber on Hellebuck, but you're absolutely right. I mean, good, good on Hellebuck, you know, the band-aid, uh, band-aid gate, if you want to talk, (laughs) if you want to call it that, uh, it seems like one member of the Jets has to bleed now every single playoff game. There you go. It seems like a very reasonable policy for the Jets uh, to uh, uh, to adopt during the playoffs just to show how serious it is. Uh, one nothing for the Jets after the first period. A great first period for the Winnipeg Jets. As we talked about, uh, they kept 
know, they peppered 17 shots at Laurent Brossois. You can't help but wonder, you know, that power play, you know, four on three power play, so much room out there where the Jets may be trying to be a little too fancy, especially after they had scored with a simple, straightforward shot tip on the power play to open the scoring. You know, were they, they going were just for- passing the puck around too much? Kyle Connor, uh, from yeah. what I remember, had a, a decent scoring chance, but they were just passing the puck too much. Yeah, it was just too much on the outside and uh, the, the, the clock ticked down too much. And Vegas, which was fortunate to be only down one nothing after 20 minutes, would probably say, okay, thank goodness, we'll take that only down 20 or only down one after 20 minutes. Uh, come the second period, Vegas uh, is looking like a completely rejuvenated team. They look like a new team out there. Uh, Mark Stone, even he doesn't capitalize on this, but Mark Stone somehow gets all alone behind the Jets' defense. I mean, Stone had the two goals in tonight's game, but he had this great opportunity as well. He's left all alone behind the Jets' defense, and then Connor Hellbuck does a great job sort of outweighting him, making the first save, and then Stone gets his own rebound, and he slides it just wide. But you could sort of already tell uh, the, you know, the, the, the change in the tone of the game, the Jets' attention to detail was not as good to start the second period and Vegas was uh, certainly uh, had more jump and was on, getting on the Jets uh, getting on the Jets with a four check and being more effective with the four check culminating in William Carlson getting his second of the series already at the 554 mark of the second period Dave it's uh, his second assist to Phil Kessel just way too long of a shift uh, for the Winnipeg Jets by uh, Mark Scheifele, by Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, the defenseman on this one, Pionk and Dylan, gets uh, caught out there for way too long. They're, they're gassed. They have nothing left. They can't find the bouncing puck. It's just in their feet. And William Carlson is able to scoop it up and absolutely rifle it past Connor Hellebuck. Yeah, the only thing Hellebuck might have wanted was when the puck initially got shot in on him. He tried to grab it with his glove, and he didn't grab it cleanly. He might have been able to to freeze it, of course, at that point. Mm-hmm. And instead, the play stays alive. And yeah, you're right, Drew. The fact is that everybody's standing around, looking around, but nobody's actually doing anything. Nobody's taking a man. And it leaves you know Carlson to get the Vegas goal. And it's an unfortunate play because you know the puck is... Is it's almost like Plinko. The puck is bouncing, you know, in and around, and it lands mm-hmm. right where Carlson is, and it doesn't land with any of the Jets. And again, not tying him up leaves him free to do what he did, which is put it up and over Connor Hellebuck and tie the game, and you know, give the Vegas Knights some, you know, that that life, that that reward that they're like, okay, we're in this game, right? We're we're pushing. We've been the better team to start this period. Now we got our reward, right? That positive reinforcement that the team's looking for. That, you know, some of the folks are saying in the chat, like, look, the Jets were kind of cheating a little bit for offense because you fired 17 shots on Lauren Bressois. You've only scored on one of them. Mm-hmm. You're thinking, well, do you have to get away from your game a little bit to try and get that second goal? Whatever. But the fact is Vegas gets that reward and now suddenly it's a one all game. Yeah, exactly right. You know, as you could see, the Jets just were the 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 heavy the heaviness in their legs at that that extended shift for Shifley and Dubois. They were able to get a, a slight line change in getting Kyle Connor off the ice, uh, but they yeah. weren't able to make the complete line change because of the longer the longer distance you have to go in the second period to complete that line change. And Dubois and Shifley, Pionk and Dylan just had absolutely nothing left. Nino Niederreiter was the other forward out there, yeah, right? Nino Ryder was the guy who was able to jump on for. Kyle Connor, but the Jets, you could just see, you could almost feel that coming, especially when they weren't able to make that line change and Vegas was able to, you know, headman the puck right back into the Jets zone uh, after the Jets briefly were able to get Connor off and Niederreiter on. Yeah, Niederreiter had a chance to clear it and he didn't and it was a long shift and that's the attention detail you're talking about. I mean, you, you, ha- you can't have shifts that long, simple as that. Exactly right. So one one at that point in time, uh, early in the first period, Vegas, pardon me, second period, Vegas gets their first lead of the series uh, at the ten twenty five mark. Jack Eichel with his first career uh, playoff goal, assist to Alex Peterangelo and Michael Amadio, and it's almost you know it's similar into in, in how the Jets' opening goal looks. In that the puck, you know, Amadio collects the loose puck. He gets it back to Peter Angelo, and Peter Angelo puts it on net. And Jack Eichel, really with a tremendous tip, 
Brendan Dillon is is the guy, uh, if I'm not mistaken, who's on Eichel. He is unable to tie up his stick, and Eichel is able to just have a tremendous deflection from the high slot, getting it past Connor Halbuck to give Vegas a 2-1 lead halfway through the second period. Yeah, Michael Amadio did some good work there, and, and the Jets were scrambling a little bit. And that point shot, I'm not sure if – I mean, I am pretty sure, actually, he was going to miss the net. So it was mm-hmm. a really skilled tip by Jack Eichel. And you're right, Drew. There was a lot of similarities uh, between the Adam Lowry goal and the Jack Eichel goal. And, and, you know, nice. I know Jets fans, you know, don't want the Golden Knights to score any goals, but nice for a guy like Eichel, right? Because, you know, for a guy who was second overall after Connor McDavid, like he's, he's dreamt about this for how long, right? And year after year missing the playoffs with the Sabres. So just wanted to get that in there. I mean, it's always nice when a guy has waited that long. And like we talked about, he wasn't, he wasn't a big factor in game one. I mean, let's be honest, most Golden Knights weren't a factor in game mm-hmm. one. And that's a testament to how well the Jets played defensively. Um, but yeah, you know, really nice tip by Eichel. Nice work down level by Amadio. I think one of the more underrated players uh, on the Golden Knights. But look, they they had they were buzzing. All mm-hmm. the pressure was on the Jets in that period. I mean, the Jets had a few chances, uh, but they really did flip the script, as we talked about earlier. So really nice tip by Jack Eichel. Um, and if it wasn't for Kevin Stenland, I mean, you know, the Jet, the Jets could have been in a much deeper hole because that goal gave them some momentum back because the momentum was clearly in the Golden Knights' favor. They were all over the Jets. Uh, but yeah, beauty tip by Eichel. Yeah, 19 to 10 ended up as the shots on goal in the second period, which reflects just how in control Vegas was. But you mentioned uh, the Kevin Stenland goal, and this sort of came out of nowhere. The Jets had been on their heels. They hadn't really been able to generate much at all in the second period, Dave. But uh, Saku Manalainen coming down the right side, and again, nobody expects anything from the Jets' fourth line. And he makes a nice pass to Kevin Stenland, and Kevin Stenland just reaches out and you know redirects the pass uh, up and over Laurent Brassois and under the crossbar. And for the Winnipeg Jets, this at the 1601 mark of the second period. So the Winnipeg Jets, who play a uh, don't really play a, a good second period at all, are rewarded in just a blink of an eye from a guy that you would not expect to get on the scoreboard and not be the catalyst to turning the game from a def- deficit to a tie. Right, and I've got the comment from Ryan Trapp highlighted right now saying Jets were not crisp on the passes in the defensive zone exits because, you know, I think that is kind of a testament to what we saw, especially in the second and and into the third as well from Winnipeg. And you're right, Drew, that did flip the script briefly Mm -hmm. because you're, you know, the amount of energy a team can get from a fourth line, and I said that in our preamble about the Jets actually having some success playing the fourth line tonight and the third line. I thought the, you know, those first two lines weren't great. And I thought that fourth line, getting the, a goal from those guys who play, you know, get a minimal amount of minutes, you know, usually get the less optimal, uh, you know, uh, opportunities in a hockey game. And yet Kevin Stenland makes a real nice play to just simple, right? Sacramento line. And like you said, Drew gets the puck on net and Kevin Stenland with his big reach and his, and his long reach is able to redirect that puck up and over Lauren Brassois. And, you know, again, it was funny because watching it live, I was like, is that Blake Wheeler? Is that Kevin Stenland? <laughs> I'm not entirely certain. I think it's Kevin Stenland because it was Sacramento line and he made the pass. But look, it's it's a two-all game. And suddenly you're thinking to yourself, well, if you're, and, and you know, Kevin Bex has said it on the, on the broadcast. It's not wrong. If you're a Jets fan and you're up one nothing in the series and you're going tied two-all heading into the third period, you're feeling pretty good about the way things have gone based on the fact that, especially when even though you played a good first, mm-hmm. you didn't have a great second, and yet it's too, tied to all after 40 minutes. Yeah. And, Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, you know, quickly, and, and I agree with Dave, and, and they obviously, you know, didn't play a ton, 10 or 11 minutes, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. But I thought Nemestikov, Niederreiter, Wheeler, like just talking about the game kind of macro level and the forward line specifically, I really thought that that line, you know, wasn't very good tonight. I mean, there was mm-hmm. a, they had a few shots on net mm-hmm. uh, that I can remember, but especially when Connor and Shifley Dubois, they, they didn't really continue their strong play from the first period. And I think, you know, that's something to watch as well. I mean, look at, I mean, Nick Ehlers, we're going to be talking about Nick Ehlers a lot on Saturday morning show and, you know, whether or not he's going to play for game three. And obviously if Ehlers plays, you expect him to to go on the second line, right? Like that would yeah. be the natural fit for Ehlers. And then, you know, Niederreiter goes back to the third line and so, so on and so forth, right? But I just thought, you know, I just wanted to say that, that that line, uh, I just didn't didn't think generated a lot and wasn't really noticeable that much tonight. 
Yeah, I think that's definitely a fair comment, especially when, you know, Kyle Connor, who was so noticeable, uh, you know, with all those shots on goals and all those scoring opportunities. Now, he faded as as the entire Jets team did as the game went on. But you're right. If you're looking for Nemesnikov, Niederreiter, and Wheeler to maybe step up, uh, you know, and, and carry a little bit of the load after Connor did so much for the early parts of the game, they just weren't able to do it uh, tonight. Uh, you know, uh, you know, and that, you know, certainly not the sole reason why the Jets lost, but a contributing factor. And I just want to jump in because I think it's bears mentioning. And I think as he said this earlier, but I'm going to repeat it. Actually, Vegas is not a bad team. I mean, you know, (laughs) everyone just look, the Jets played the best game they've played all season. I think we would all agree that the Jets played the best game they've played all season long in that last game. So there's no, I wouldn't argue with that, Dave. Right. And so everyone's like, well, just bring it forward. (laughs) <laughs> you know, just bring it forward. And remember, folks, we saw that in the regular season when the Jets tuned St. Louis, who had been on like a what a five-game or six-game win streak, and they came into Winnipeg and the Jets beat them, what, 4-1 in that game? And everyone's like, that's a great 60-minute effort. Just do that. And I'm pretty sure the next next game, the Jets stunk the, stunk the bed or shit the bed, as they say. So it wasn't exactly a, a replication of, you know, what they had just done. And so it's not as simple. And I know, understand that people understand this, but it's not as simple as just saying, okay, well, let's just do exactly the exact same thing. And we'll have the exact same results because Vegas was obviously not going to try and replicate their terrible effort from the previous game. So you knew that Vegas was going to come up with a much better effort than what they performed in the first game. So, you know, it wasn't going to be a mirror image of that, even though I know folks are saying you want that to be, kind of brought forward and just like, well, there's, there's your example. There's your perfection. And the jets, I, I'm saying that you had the, you had the playbook, the playbook was written. It, you knew what you needed to do. It was just a function of whether you could execute it. And as we've talked about so far throughout the course of this broadcast, the jets were unable to replicate whether it was their passing, whether it was their defensive structure, a lot of the good things they had done in the previous game. Yeah. You know, uh, again, uh, you know, people sort of forget about it, but you're absolutely right. The game is played by humans. And unfortunately, <laughs> humans don't always put out the same. For now, effort. Drew, for now. For now, yes. <laughs> you know, once we get the robot players out there, then it's going to be a whole different game and it'll be a whole different post game show. But, you know, the humans, unfortunately, don't always have the same effort level and same success level day in and day out. Sometimes you have a good day at work. Sometimes you have an okay day at work. Sometimes you have a lousy day at work. It's a good uh, point. It's, you know, why it's a good point drew because people seem to forget about this every single year when the stanley <laughs> cup playoffs start right look at look at the tampa toronto series right sure tampa <laughs> bay puts in uh what was it six or seven goals in the first game and then toronto scores seven goals in the second game right so it's almost like from game like we always talk about momentum from game to game yeah. i mean you can you you can make the argument that in some series momentum doesn't carry forward at all from game to game right like remember I last year um who was it in the who did Carolina well Carolina couldn't win a game on the road last year right like the mm-hmm. record at home was the opposite right like it was like they couldn't win on the road but they couldn't lose at home right. so it's like sometimes momentum does not carry forward for the Jets it did in the first period but obviously the Vegas Golden Knights were the more desperate team in the second and third period and they had to be like mm-hmm. we said like you know you, you think it's a seven game series so if you're down two nothing but I mean that means you have to win four of your last five games that's really hard to do uh, so you're 100% right. I mean, it, it, the game is played by humans, and just because, um, you know, the Jets have a bad second or third period, they could end up scoring two or three goals in the first period and winning 7-2 in game three on Saturday, right? Like, yeah. that's just the way hockey is sometimes. That's right. You just, you know, you never know when. Yes, exactly right. The, the You know, it is a, it, you know, the, just what, what happens in one game doesn't necessarily uh, translate to what happens in the next game. Two all, nonetheless, after 40 minutes. It's sitting there for the Winnipeg Jets, despite not playing a good second period. Uh, yet their third period is worse than their second period was. Vegas was not going to let this game slip away from them. Vegas was not going to lose both games on home ice. Uh, and they elevated their game. Chandler Stevenson at the 537 mark. Uh, of the of the first, uh, pardon me, of the third period, he gets his first of the series assist to Alex Pitarangelo, and then Mark Stone as well. It's a point shot by by Stevenson, pardon me, by Pitarangelo, and it doesn't get all the way through to Connor Hellebuck. 
ricochets to uh, to Stevenson and Shifley, and it's a glaring error, but Shifley is soft defensively, and Stevenson is able to bang the puck into the empty net. You know, you see Shifley in a trail position there. You see Shifley unable to tie up a stick. You know, Mark Shifley needed to be better in tonight's game, much like Jack Eichel needed to be better in on in game two, in game one uh, for the Golden Knights. I'd expect Mark Shifley to bounce back in game three, and he's certainly not going to like the video on this one, uh, being slow, being behind Stevenson, and being soft on Stevenson to lead it to a 3-2 Vegas lead at that point. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, you know, you hate to say it, but you're absolutely right. Like, Shifley is right there with Stevenson, and he takes the face-off, right? Like, so he loses the face-off to Stevenson. Right. And and you you wonder, like, is this where, you know, Shifley playing the wing, but then also still taking face-offs, but not playing center, but sometimes playing center? If, you know, if there's a little bit of confusion there, not in terms, I don't think there was a ter- in terms of who he was supposed to pick up, right? Because off the face-off, yeah. Steve, it goes to Stone, right? So Sandberg is on the on the right wing, and his job is to follow Stone, and he does that. So he's high in the zone, but he he's doing his job. Pierre-Luc Dubois is in the middle and kind of in no man's land, but he doesn't have anybody to pick up. Like he's, depending on what happens, you know, he might have to cover the point or whatever. Right. So you're right. It's a It's literally a point shot and a one, one-on-one situation with Shifley and Chandler Stevenson. Mm-hmm. And he has to do a better job there. And like you said, it's, you know, Chandler Stevenson just beats him to the puck and, you know, deposits the puck in the back of the net. So, I mean, I mean, you, you, sometimes you can sim- isolate a play down to a one-on-one battle and that's what happened on this goal. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's just, a, you know, and, and something we've seen so much from Shifley, Dave, where he's just not uh, where he needs to be. He's on the wrong side uh, of his defender when he's in a defending position. I, you know, I'm just not sure. He's just I never. Going... I don't even know. I'm not. I'm not. You know, trying to, you know, just be the contrarian. Drew. I, I don't even know if it's the wrong side there. I think he just gets out muscled and outworked. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. Right? Too. Like I, th- I, I think that's. You're right though. Sometimes it's the wrong side, but there to me, it's like he's right there. Yeah, and he, you know, whatever it is, tie up the stick, push him out of the way, like you know, move him. Like Shifley's a big guy. He's not the most physical guy. He's bigger than Chandler Stevenson, but Chandler Stevenson plays Mm -hmm. bigger than he is, right? Like I would say a guy like Josh Morrissey does the same thing or a guy like Neil Pionk, he plays bigger than he is, right? And so for me, that was just kind of Chandler Stevenson just out hustling him, out working him in front of the net. Yeah, I, that's you, the defense is a mindset, and Mark Shifley doesn't right. have that mindset, Dave. Well, and you know it's funny, Drew. The the thing that comes to mind is that maybe this summer, what Mark Shifley should do instead of going to visit Adam Oates, who was never known for his defensive acumen, was to maybe spend a summer with Patrice Bergeron or Andre Kopitar or someone who learned knows how to play the defensive side of the puck, because we we don't have to question Mark Shifley's ability offensively, right? Generally speaking, it's more, you know, even though obviously he doesn't have any points in in this series through two games, but you do need Mark Shifley to be better defensively. I mean, look, if if you want to be talked about as as a top center uh, or a top winger, I guess, if that's what he is now, but if you want to be talked about in in the vein that he he's he, I'm not, these aren't my words. He was the one who said he wants to be looked at in that regard. It's not just, I want to be the top offensive player. You know, you, you can't, you, you have to change your game. I mean, you know, if you want to go back to Steve Eiserman having to learn how to change just from being a pure off. I mean, I think Steve Eiserman is a perfect example for Mark Shifley. I mean, Mark, Steve Eiserman was like a perfectly uh, fantastic offensive player. And what did he do? He learned how to modify his game and look how good Steve Eiserman became. And he didn't win the Stanley Cups until that happened, right? Like Eiserman exactly. I think we lost Ezzy. Yeah, his mic sounded like your mic little, cut out. The, the mics went a little haywire there for a second, or maybe it's the computer again. Either way, hopefully, as you'll get right back. As you yeah. there, hold on, let's just give him a second. As so you hold speak. on, I, I, there I you go. I now you're good. You're good. No, yeah, you're good no I was just going to say that I'm not sure how much of that uh, you heard, but no, start you're, again. You're right. <laughs> a guy like Steve Eiserman, you know, he sacrificed his offense for defense, right? And he won the Stanley Cups when he became more of an all around player, right? So. Yeah, uh, look, at I, I think, you know, Shifley's play towards the end of the season was excellent, and he was really good in game one. Mm-hmm. But on that particular play, um, yeah. you know, just like Drew said, I mean, I hate 
I hate to use the word, but there's no better word. It was just soft defensive coverage. He just wasn't hard enough on Stevenson. You got to get closer to him. You got to body him, you know, tie him up, whatever you need to do to prevent him from, from scoring a goal in front of Hellbuck. 3-2 Vegas at this point in time in the third period. Can the Jets uh, find another way to come back? And they're pushing. Uh, not that they're pushing, you know, uh, consistently, but they had a, you know, a decent zone time, and they looked like they had a bit of a scoring opportunity. But as so uh, happens so often, uh, the scoring opportunity goes for naught. The play is transitioned up the ice. The Jets, who of course are looking to equalize, get caught a little bit, and Mark Stone gets his first of the season on a tremendous feed from Chandler Stevenson. Brett Howden also getting the assist on this one, and Stone just gets behind the defenseman for the Jets I believe it's Morrissey and it's Pionk and they were both sort of playing aggressively trying to equalize instead they get bit in the behind a little bit as Stone gets behind them to make it 4-2 uh, for the Golden Knights at the 1301 mark of the third period as he yeah, the pride of Oak Bank, Manitoba. Brett Howden started that play in his own zone with some good speed. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing that stood out to me on that play was that the Golden Knights had a lot of pressure, and that was also a shift. I, I, I can't tell you the shift length. I didn't check. Um, but it was the 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 line that we were just talking about that didn't really have a big impact. It was Nemestikov, Niederreiter, and Wheeler. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they go they drive the net, and they're tired, and they're slow to get back. Um, and then it becomes, uh, I guess if you want to call it a, a three on two, right? Yeah. So a nice pass to Steve from Stevenson to stone. Like we said, Howden started the playoff. Um, and, and it, it kind of just, that was, again, you know, it's easy to point out a couple of goals and, and where players were clearly at the end of a shift, but it seemed like that was kind of an issue. Like the, the jets just weren't that sharp, um, at certain parts of the second and third period. And like you said, the attention to detail, even though it's a cliche and, you know, sometimes we mock you for it. I mean, <laughs> Thank you. that's all that happens when you, like, the Golden Knights, again, they're a 111-point team. And I agree that, you know, the Jets are better than a 95-point team. Like, I, I really think, you know, when you consider their epic collapse in, in back in February and March, mm-hmm. um, you know, the Jets are more of a 100-to-105-point 100 team, I think. And I think mm-hmm. their expected goals over the last 9, 10, whatever games, you know, proves that, that they're not a, an eight seed, really, like Dave has been saying since the, the preview started. This is more like a 4-5 matchup, right? Like, this yeah. is a closer matchup mm-hmm. than the regular season point total indicates, right? So all it takes is, you know, you fall asleep for a second, and, you know, again, Howden takes that puck from deep in his own zone, if you watch the replay. I just had it up on my browser here. Um, and the Jets are just too slow getting back. Um, and again, you know, Mark Stone drives the net, nice pass, bingo, bango, bongo, and you know, the game's pretty much over. Bingo, bango, bongo, indeed. Vegas uh adds one more goal at the 1730 mark of the third period. Mark Stone again, his second assist to William Carlson and Phil Kessel. Uh, Carlson just you know, with a great play behind the Jets' net, but at the same time, this is just really bad. Uh, there are like four Jets behind the net. I know, and and they and they lose the puck paddle. I mean, you know, you shouldn't have four guys below the red line uh, before the goal below the goal line. Last time I checked, but if you're gonna have four guys below the goal line, you sure as hell better win the puck battle. But they didn't, and Carlson finds Stone, who's coming in like an absolute uh, uh, runaway train going downhill, and he takes the pass and he wires it past Connor Hellebuck. It's a very good night for Mark Stone as he gets two goals and an assist. And I don't know if you it, saw Drew. His parents were in the crowd. They were. I had no idea, but they make it five two. Like just show the point. show the parents once, twice. You know, if you really need to, maybe three or four times. It's not like he's like fourteen years old playing his first like yeah. you know hockey game. Like I mean, he's he's been a professional for a long time. Well, then, and after again, a while, it's just like Dave. Like what? Like why are you okay? Okay, the parents even are there. The, we saw them earlier. Okay, we get it. Even Mark Stone's parents seemed uncomfortable, even though they didn't know they were on camera. They were just kind of like, "Okay, our son scored. Cool, we've seen this before." But like, we get it. We're on camera. Like, I just like there's no storyline involving his parents. It's not like you know, as far as I know, his parents have overcome some sort of great adversity to fly to Las Vegas. It's just like, okay, great. Why are like just like. Explain that how it's relevant to the game. I mean, I'm as an as, 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 as well, I don't want to hate on Mark Stone's parents because I mean, I just think it, it was just I, I and I know I know you're not, Drew. I, I know it's just it just seems a bit irrelevant that they were doing it. Yeah. 
Am I the only one who is a little bit annoyed by the PA announcer in Vegas? I, I no, I, I, I find I it. I find he was it. announcing the goals like twenty seconds into the. But it was like play. it was the it was the, no even the even the power calling the power play and the penalties. I don't know. There's something about it. It was annoying. Maybe it's maybe, I, maybe I'm traditional and I'm I'm not and I'm not saying that I'm not going to try and Drew, pull Drew's old man waving at a cloud. But like it just seemed like I don't know. I just found it very annoying. Like every time I listen, I was like. It, I, again, I was like, "Is it just me? Am I finding this no, very annoying?" No, it was definitely or other... not you. Okay, yeah, good. I, okay. It, 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 yeah, I, I would agree with with you, and I'd agree with Ezzy. I just thought it was a little bit over the top. I mean, again, as a reminder, the 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 national anthem singers, the PA announcers, have no impact on the result of the game. Do your job, sing their song, announce the penalties, announce the goals, move on, let the play on the ice dictate the reaction of everyone else. Uh, I, I like so, like don't get me wrong, sometimes in Ezzy and I love it in, in Colorado where they play the uh you know Super the music. Yeah, Super Mario Brothers when when the like there's funny kitschy things you can do, but that was just it's just too long. It was like 25 seconds after you're like, well, what's going on? Why are they doing this now? It's like you might as well just like do like in basketball, like just have music playing while while the while your team is in the offensive zone. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That hey, we've got we got plenty we're fueled by hate. The Jets are fueled by passion or whatever it is. We're fueled by hate. So yeah, that's that's well, as Beer League says, we're let the hate flow through you. It's almost one in the morning, folks. We need to be, you know, we need to start hating on something at this point in time. And I'm just glad it's not me. Uh, that was, uh, <laughs> I was gonna hate on Drew's shirt, but I'm, I mean, said I'm gonna hate on the PA announcer. They had little flamingos on my shirt. What's wrong with my shirt? Well, because flamingos are representative of the Flamingo uh, Hilton Hotel in Vegas, you trader. Um, right. Flamingos <laughs> are also representative of the great uh, neighborhood of Transcona. There you go. That's true. So Ticona Poly. Ticona Poly. Exactly. I'm just I'm just repping Tico Napoli's area. That's all I'm doing. I don't uh, I I do I promise you I do not spend that much time considering my wardrobe uh, for this show and what. If symbolism. it makes you feel better as well, Drew, my kids love flamingos. We ordered a book on flamingos because uh, Ariella just loved flamingos, and you know what? I can understand why. Like they're very colorful. Well, I'll tell you, you know, they're little stick legs. We went when I was in Vegas. Uh, when was I there? I guess about two weeks ago now. Uh, maybe three weeks ago, we went to the Flamingo uh, Hotel because they have a Flamingo Sanctuary uh, in the like uh, in the hotel. Oh, I didn't know that. That's well, this yeah. shows off the rails. Well, and, Do they and still I, have a, a White Castle in there in the Flamingo yeah. Sanctuary. No, sure there's no, a White but... Castle in. No, no, no. Yeah, because Ezzy, Ezzy, any of the Flo- any Ezzy, any of the flamingos that don't make it end up in the in the yeah, burgers. The they would castle, choke on those right. burgers. Uh, but it was great. I mean, I'd never been to the flamingo sanctuary at the at the flamingo hotel, but uh, I definitely my kids spent. I think we spent probably a good hour there checking it out. So, Ezzy, if you're ever taking your family to Vegas, you can take uh, Ariel. I've taken Ezzy to Vegas before. Drew, I, I can't afford have. that. The only oh, the only place I can afford to take my kids is like I don't know Selkirk. Like I don't have that type of money. <laughs> well, nonetheless, uh, you know it, it was. Worth Altus wants out. Drew. Altus wants to know if you tried out the flamingo steaks. I did not try uh, the flamingo steaks. I did not uh, indulge in that. I didn't want to traumatize my children too much. Uh, they saw enough when I was daddy was sobbing uncontrollably after the losses at the blackjack table. That was uh, that was that was going to be enough for them. Five uh, two final Vegas over the Winnipeg Jets. They even up the series at one game apiece Saturday afternoon. It's going to be fun, of course, in downtown Winnipeg. We'll have the post-game show coverage for you uh, around 5.45, assuming there's no overtime. Uh, if there oh, is, God, God help us if there's overtime. Yeah, we got we got conflicts on Saturday, folks, so we got to hope for a regulation time a tight ship on victory. Saturday. Yeah, we got to hope for a regulation time victory. We have some uh, social conflicts uh, on, on Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening. But, of course, the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, 9 a.m. on Saturday. We'll get you set for that epic game three. When we come back on the other side of the break, we got a tough duck giveaway. We'll read some post-game quotes, a little bit more from the Jets and Golden Knights game two. If you haven't already done so, smash the like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel, tell your friends, tell your family. This is the place to be after each and every Winnipeg Jets game. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuka, Ezra Ginsburg with you. More of the Illegal Curve post-game show as the clock strikes 1 a.m. Central Time coming up next live on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms. 
Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the biggest acts and all the up-and-comers. They've all made their mark at Rumors Comedy Club, North America's longest-running independent comedy club. Rumors has kept Winnipeg laughing for over 25 years. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party, even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. He winds up. Oh, looks like Ezzy took that one right in the choppers. A blistering fast puck hurts like H-E double hockey sticks. That's why I let the pros at Linden Market Dental Center turn my yow into wow. Get your brilliant smile back with state-of-the-art restorative and cosmetic dentistry from real pros. And remember, always wear a mouth guard. Now that's solid on ice advice. Learn more at LindenMarketDentalCenter.com. Creating smiles for life. Whoa, Ezzy, everything okay? You look stressed. Of course I'm stressed. We're moving, the house is upside down, the kids failed miserably at packing the fine china, and my life is in chaos. Chaos! Yes, that does sound like a problem. What am I going to do? Ezzy, relax. Rolly's transfer moving and storage is the answer. With 60 years of experience in moving Manitobans and a track record of exemplary customer service, one call to Rollies and your stress is gone. No job is too big or too small. Just visit Rollies.com and they will take it from there. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage, online at Rollies.com. Dave, my man, why are you in the car already? It's hours until game time. Uh, Drew, it's because I'm stressed out right now, driving around downtown Winnipeg, looking for a parking spot, and I'm not finding one. I've lost Ginsburg. I don't even know where that guy is right now. Dave, haven't I taught you anything? Do what I do. Pre-book your entire month's worth of game day parking with the Grid Park app. It's super easy to use and saves me both time and stress. Well, Drew, I'm not independently wealthy like you are. So I'm sorry that I don't have millions of dollars to pre-book my parking month in advance. What's that going to cost you? $25? How about five bucks? Come on, five dollars? No way. Five bucks. I'm not telling you a lie. And our listeners can get a free park with the new special promo code, Illegal Curve. Guess what? There's more. There's more, Drew. You're lying to me. What more could there be? Grid Park now has underground parking, so my car can stay warm during the game. So wait a second. Wait a second. All, All the driving around I do, looking for parking, minus 40. You're telling me I could be toasty warm in a car after the hockey game. That's exactly what I'm telling you. Underground parking. Just download the Grid Park app. That's G-R-Y-D Park. And use the code Illegal Curve. All one word. You'll park for free your first time. Hi, it's Drew from Illegal Curve here. Selling your home can be stressful, but it wasn't for me. Thanks to my friends at Zapia Group Realty, they made the process so easy. My home sold within 48 hours and with multiple offers. Zapia Group Realty took care of everything with their exquisite customer service and attention to detail. If you want to sell your home for more in less time, get started by talking to Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Online at zapiagroup.com. For three generations and over 80 years, Tough Duck has been making apparel that works and plays as hard as the people who wear it. From jackets to work boots and everything in between, Tough Duck's clothing can handle the harshest environments, even the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Work to live, live to play. Visit toughduck.com. One in the morning, a little bit past that. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve post-game show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsburg with you. Going to be interesting, I think, because, of course, neither of these two teams are going to skate between now and Saturday's game, given that tomorrow's a travel day for both teams. They'll be heading back to Winnipeg. And then, of course, Saturday afternoon with the early start time, there's not going to be a morning skate, barring something quite unforeseen. So, really, neither team is going to have an opportunity to uh, flush the result of tonight in terms of their on-ice performance or get a handle of things. So I'm, it's going to be interesting to see how that Game 3 on Saturday afternoon gets started, uh, given that sort of uh, the inability to, to get a feel for the puck and get a feel for the surroundings in downtown Winnipeg with all the travel and everything. Just another sort of wrinkle uh, that the schedule is throwing their way with the early start time, Ezzy. 
yeah, that's a good point that you're making. And and who would benefit from that arguably the most? Nick Ehlers, right? <laughs> so, I mean, we're, we're not going to, I don't think we're going to get any indication, Dave, that no. if no Nick, Nick Ehlers is playing, it's going to be a complete guessing game, right? And I, I think it was Drew that made the point earlier, uh, you know, especially, you know, at, at a certain point in that second period when the Golden Knights had all the momentum, I think that's when, you know, a player like Nick Ehlers with his speed and skill could have provided a spark. I mean, obviously the Jets played, uh, you know, a dominant first four periods of the series without Nick Ehlers. Um, so, I mean, maybe, you know, I'm overstating it here, but uh, yeah, it's going to be, that's going to be the main storyline, you know, in addition to, you know, how, as Drew said, how are the Jets going to respond to, you know, being dominated by a team for the first time in a long time. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's it, we have a series, boys. I mean, this is what we thought it was going to be, right? Like everybody, most people were picking the series, whether you were picking Vegas or Winnipeg yeah. to go six yeah. or seven games, right? And obviously the Jets can still win it in five and so can the Golden Knights, but I don't think um, I would put any money on with Betway on that. No, I think it's... Oh boy, we got a Ginsburg guarantee. More than like more than likely to be a, a long series still. Uh, before we get into the tough duck hardest hitting comment, I want to make mention of the Seagram's shot of the game. Seagram's VO integrity, tradition, and craftsmanship. Get your local your favorite Seagram's product at your local Manitoba liquor mart, wherever your fine liquor products are sold. Big thanks to Seagram's for their sponsorship of the Illegal Curve post game show. The shot of the game. I don't think we've given him one this year. So we're going to give it to uh, Kevin Stenland. This wasn't much of a shot, but it was a redirection. And based on my uh, interpretation of the rules for the contest, Dave, uh, we're allowed to still call that a shot. So big thanks uh, to Seagram's, Seagram's VO for their sponsorship. And congratulations to Kevin Stenland, the winner of tonight's Seagram's shot of the game for his second period. Drew, tell Kevin Stenland what he wins. Uh, he wins our praise. <laughs> and maybe something from Seagram's. I don't know. He can go buy. He wins the right to go purchase a bottle of Seagram's using his own money. Congratulations yeah. to you, Kevin. I like that I, choice, Drew, because you I, don't see the double backhand very often. You know, the double backhand pass and tip. So yeah. It's kind of unique in that sense, right? It certainly was. I, I was just going to say quickly, though, it's always funny because I, I always, I'm incredulous because hockey players are, are renownedly cheap. And yeah. it's funny because whenever you'd hear during the TSN days, Oh, and for doing that interview, this guy gets a $50 gift card. And I always said people would always be like, well, they make hundreds of thousands. Of you knew these guys wanted those gift cards. Oh, no, they, would they, use, they stockpiled. They, like Mark oh, Shifley at home had like 30. Uh, yeah, what was it? Was it the keg that they used to I do? I think it was the keg. One I think yeah. it was the keg. Yeah. I think it was the yeah. keg. Now yeah. the keg, of course, spends their, their money with the legal curve. So Naturally. they understand there's yeah. a better use of yeah. that money. Now but... we've got those gift certificates. <laughs> but it's it's crazy, though. I just remember being like, okay, and now we're going to give him a $50 gift card. And I'm like, well, you know he's going to use it. Yeah, he certainly will. Uh, speaking of sponsors, Tough Duck. Well, I guess, hang on. Are we giving back? Are we going back to giving away toques now? Are we yeah, we might have to go back. You yeah. get both. You get a toque and a hat. Yeah, are we sticking with the trucker hats? Why do we another... live here? Um, it's a great question. Our ancestors stopped here and then just never continued. And you really would need to dig them up and ask them why they never they never kept moving. You know, they could have got back on the train and kept moving west. A lot of them ran out of funds, Drew. A lot of them ran out of funds. I wouldn't. I would. I love living here. It's just like when it gets to this point in the in the year, you're like, okay, okay, we got you go. win, you win, you win. Just <laughs> like enough. Like we get it. April twentieth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Winter. Yeah. You win. Let's go. And next week's supposed to be nice. But yeah, we're going to give out a trucker hat. And today's Tough Duck hardest hitting comment is going to go to, hold on, let me bring it up here. I had it. Uh, one I'll second put it on here. The screen there. Yeah, there we go. Me. Patrick, we're going to get uh, the last name Gwazd. I'll say Gwazd. I might be pronouncing that right or Gwazd. Jets started getting sloppy in the second period. Bad passes have to work that much harder to get puck back. Wasted energy. And it showed in the second half of the game as they looked tired. And really, we talked about it, right? Like on um, which goal was it? The I, I guess the the Mark Stone goal was where uh, was it? The Mark's no, the William Carlson goal. Sorry, the first goal was when they were Bouncing tired. Around. Yeah, when, when there was a uh, Shifley and yeah. and uh, Shifley and Dubois and Niederreiter, but Niederreiter was on for Connor. They were out there for a long time, and then it was Dylan and Pionk, right? Yeah, that were the defensemen back. So look at, I mean, the Jets, you know. That's all it takes. If, if the Golden Knights have enough talent 
with Mark Stone and Jack Eichel and William Carlson, Chandler Stevenson. I mean, we can go on here, Alex Petrangelo, uh, and that's all it takes. So Patrick, love the comment. Uh, send me an email, Ezra at IllegalCurve.com. It's 10 after 1 in the morning. I'm, I almost forgot my own email address. <laughs> so send me an email, Ezra at IllegalCurve.com with your mailing info, and Tough Duck will ship out a trucker hat to you. Yes. Because we are in, are into trucker hat season, even though there's snow on the ground, but it's going to melt, so you can still rock that trucker hat proudly uh, here in late April. Congratulations to Patrick for winning tonight's Tough Duck hardest hitting comment. Last word tonight goes to the Winnipeg Jets head coach Rick Bonus speaking with the assembled media in Vegas. Big thanks to Murata Tesh for transcribing this quote. You can't give up the goals we gave up tonight when it was 2-2. We had a great opportunity to make it 3-2, and then they came down and scored. You can't lose a face-off like that and lose the guy going to the net. That's referencing the Stevenson goal that Shifley uh, lost the face-off. And then even the fifth goal, we got out-muscled behind the net. You can't lose games there in the playoffs like that, and we did so rick bonus not shy about pointing out some of the foibles that resulted in the winnipeg jets dropping tonight's 5-2 decision to the vegas golden knights game three goes saturday afternoon in downtown winnipeg saturday starts with the illegal curve hockey show 9 a.m here on our youtube channel we're all about the jets and the golden knights as you probably expected then saturday late afternoons slash early evening the illegal curve post game show following the winnipeg jets vegas golden knights game back here on our youtube channel illegalcurve.com has all of your latest news and audio everything to do with this playoff series everything to do with the manitoba moose everything to do with the winnipeg ice it's your one-stop shop for everything big win by the ice in overtime last night drew exactly to tie that even their series Yeah, IllegalCurve.com, as I said, your one-stop shop for hockey in Manitoba. Want to say a big thank you to our friends at Betway for their sponsorship of the Illegal Curve post-game show. And, of course, the game recap is brought to you by Betway. Also want to say thank you to all of the sponsors who make the post-game show, the Saturday show, and the website a possibility. Our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Linden Market Dental Center, Zapia Group Realty, The Keg, Grid Park, Rolly's Transfer, Seagram's, Boston Pizza, Tough Duck, and the title sponsor, our friends at Betway. Support these fine businesses because of their continued support of Illegal Curve Hockey. If you haven't already done so, smash the like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, leave us feedback here, there, and everywhere. So we're not going to talk about Dominic Tonnato's two-year extension? Not tonight. Maybe (laughs) we'll reference that on Saturday morning, but not tonight. Uh, If you haven't already done so, like I said, tell your friends, tell your family the best place to be on Saturday morning and after each and every Winnipeg Jets game is here on the Illegal Curve YouTube channel. Big thanks to all of you good folks in the chat for joining us into the wee hours of this now Friday morning, almost 1.15, and there's all still uh, more than 100 of you here. We appreciate the love and support that you show us all the time. For Dave Manuk, for a very sleepy Ezra Ginsberg, I'm your host, Drew Mandel. Until Saturday at 9 a.m., we wish you good night and good luck, and thanks for watching the Illegal Curve post-game show. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.